KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. I'm Matt Leon. The Villanova University football team is still alive in the FCS playoffs. Wildcats beat Holy Cross in the second round this past Friday, 21-16 at Villanova Stadium. So now the Wildcats will be home again for their quarterfinal matchup as they welcome South Dakota State to the main line on Saturday afternoon. Now the Jackrabbits advanced with a 24-19 win over Sacramento State in their second round matchup. Had the chance to talk with Villanova head coach Mark Ferrante about the Holy Cross win and what he expects against South Dakota State. Give a listen. So to start, uh, let's just look back last week. Looked like an electric atmosphere at the stadium as you guys uh, were able to hold off Holy Cross. Uh, what were what were the big takeaways for you? What allowed you guys to to grab that second round victory and move on? Well, the uh, field position really helped us early in the game. We had a uh, Interception gave us a short field, and that got a, you know, we were able to score off of that drive. Our defense was holding them. I think Holy Cross's approach was try to shorten the game, you know, because they did a good job moving the sticks and time of possession. They ended up having the ball for 14 more minutes than we did and probably 25 or so more plays than we had at the end of the game. But, um, you know, they did a good job. They come in, they mixed the run and pass really well. Our defense did have a few fourth down stops, uh, one in the first half. Um, I think we had two in the first half and then the all important one at the end of the game. So our guys found a way, but we just need to play a little cleaner. We, we had some uncharacteristic, you know, uh, mistakes that, you know, it was more not really assignment, but just some technique things that we haven't seen in a few weeks. So we just got to play a more consistent game for four quarters. If you look at the third quarter, they did a nice job. They almost took half the quarter on their opening drive. We went 14, nothing at halftime and they came out and scored to make it 14, seven and got a little momentum there. And then we fumbled the kickoff. And so they had it at our 25 and that was a huge stop. Our defense made there to only allow them to get a field goal. So now it's 14, 10. And then on the very next kickoff, our guy responded, TD responded. We took it down to the plus 35. And in three plays later, we scored to make it 21-10 to get the momentum back. So that was huge turn of events right there. But when you look at that third quarter, our defense was on the field for over 13 minutes, and we had the ball for less than two minutes out of the 15-minute quarter. So that, uh, you know, our guys got tired uh, on defense a little bit. They ran 80-some plays to our 50-some. So, we just got to clean some of those things up. You know, we got to do a better job getting off the field on third down in some of those defensive situations. And, uh, you know, offensively, we can play more consistent across the board as well for the four quarters. Don't get me wrong. I like scoring in three plays from the 35, but, you know, there's a few other drives. We just got to do a little better job and finish instead of coming up on field goals or field goal attempts. We got to try to come up with the touchdowns. One guy who came up huge, who's come up huge all season, uh, Forrest Ryan. I think he finished with 21 tackles. Uh, I mean, he's the defensive player of the year in the conference, so so no surprise. But just kind of what makes him special? What what are the top things that make him the player that he is? Well, it's the work he puts in. You know, he's obviously a good player and he's talented, but, you know, it's the other stuff. It's the, it's the film study on his own. It's the hours spent, you know, uh, taking care of his body, whether it's, you know, coming out on the field earlier than everybody else and doing a little extra conditioning or a little extra drills and skills that he does. And, and it's the film work, you know, he'll tell you that by the end of the week, he'll probably 
you know, recognize formations. And then by the time he deciphers what formation it is, he could probably narrow it down to one, two or three plays that they're going to run out of that formation based on what they're doing. So it's just the extra stuff that he does along with the talent, obviously in the drive and the passion that he plays with. And, um, you know, but, but, you know, for, for a linebacker, for him to have 21 tackles, that, that goes back to what I was just saying. They're probably on the field too much and too long. You know, you know what I'm saying? We'd like him to maybe not have quite that many, but thankfully that he did on this past Saturday. And, and he's the first one that'll, you know, credit the guys up front for occupying the linemen. So he and the other linebackers can run free to make those plays. And, uh, you know, he's just a humble guy. He works hard and his passion for the game is what makes him a player that he is. Let's talk a little bit about this South Dakota state team. You'll be playing on Saturday. They pulled off a bit of an upset beating Sacramento state in the second round. Uh, what do they bring to the table? Well, they're, they're big, they're physical, you know, we played them in 2016 and, you know, they have a lot of the same staff that they had in 2016. So we have a little bit of familiarity with them as far as the, the type of football that they play, having faced them now. That's, you know, five seasons ago. So there's nobody on either roster other than our sixth year guys. And I don't know how many sixth year guys they may or may not have that were even on the roster at that time. But, um, you know, they're a good team. They've been in the playoffs consistently over the last 10, 12 years. Um, they're in the league out there that, you know, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, all those teams that are, you know, very similar, if not the, uh, you know, the, the same level of conversation when we talk about the CAA as far as the week in and week out battles. And, and I think that when you play that level of competition, you know, you're, you're playoff tested. You know, when you get to this point in the season, you've been through some of those games, like our Richmond game, like our James Madison game. And then obviously when we play a Penn State type team, that helps prepare you for when you get this time of year as well. So they're a really good program. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. You know, uh, Pierre Strong, the running back, and Isaiah Davis, I think, is the other guy, number 22, the, the running back. They're big physical runners. Davis is bigger than Strong. Strong has really good speed. When you look at their sides up front, they're 300 across the board on offense. They're, you know, 270, 275 on defense. Um, their linebackers are, are fairly lean. When I say that, I think the heaviest one on paper is 215. You know, um, we've played many linebackers in our league that are 230 and so on. So, uh, but they're a good physical football team. You know, you're not familiar with their personnel until you get out to play them or what you see on film. Because unlike the people in our league or when you play a Holy Cross or a Northeast team, you know a lot of their guys from high school, you know, because we recruit the same general areas. But I would I would bet that none of their guys on, on their roster or anybody that we knew about in recruiting and vice versa. They probably don't know too much about our guys from a recruiting perspective. So, um, but they're a good team. They're a good program. I know coach is going to have them coming in. I know coach, I think coach uh, Stiegelmeyer is, I believe how you pronounce it. He's been there 20 plus 30 years, maybe when all told as an assistant and then the head coach 30 plus years. So, you know, it's been a real consistent program and they've been playing that way for a long time uh, in recent years. What do they run offensively from a formation standpoint? You talked about the running backs. Are they going to try to power you? Yeah, they're going to they're going to lean on the run game, but they do a good job mixing it up. Um, you know, the last time we played them, there was a gentleman on the team that we know we all know here in Philadelphia really well, Dallas Goddard, and he's the one that beat us 
Uh, and when I say he's the one that beat us, the whole team, you know, it was a seven to seven game. There was under three minutes on the clock. We had a uh, pressure on the quarterback. He scrambled to his right, our left, our defense's left, and he was throwing the ball to a wide receiver down the field to try to, you know, just make a play. And Goddard stepped in front of their wide out, making the made a catch and went down the sideline for about 33 yards. And that set up their game winning field goal with under two minutes to play. We did get the ball back, but we didn't, uh, you know, get down the field at all to try to tie it up or anything. So, you know, uh, Dallas Goddard was on the roster and they have tight ends like him. You know, they're big at tight end. They'll they'll spread you out, but they do try to run the ball with the two running backs, um, you know, and they do a very effective job at doing that. And then on defense, they're a four down front, three linebacker, four deep secondary. And uh, like I said, they, they just uh, are good fundamental base sound team that, you know, will be uh, playing, hitting their gaps on, on defense. And, you know, I, I got to look at a little more to get a little more familiar with it. I wasn't around this weekend. I went recruiting after our Friday night game over the weekend. So I got to get on a little more film to, to get a little more familiar with their defense. But, you know, again, 300 across the board on offense, multiple tight ends at times, you know, big guys that can block and get out there and catch the ball like a like a Goddard. And then uh, their two running backs, Pierre Strong's been, you're hearing his name a lot over the last few seasons. And then Isaiah Davis is, I think he missed a lot of games early. I think he was banged up, but now he's back. So they have that one-two punch at running back. So they have depth there. So, um, and their quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, this year is a transfer, but he's a really good player. You know, 6'2", 200-pound type guy, and he can he can throw the ball, but he can also run it as well. So, you know, dual threat type guy. So, um, you know, there you go. They're going to try to stop the run on defense. That's our philosophy too. And they're going to try to be balanced on offense and we'll try to do the same. So I think this one comes down and regardless of who you're playing, you know, um, when there's only eight teams left, whoever you're playing is going to be a really good opponent. And a lot of times it comes down to who makes the least mistakes. You know, we all talk about wanting to get turnovers and not give any away and don't give extra possessions to the other team and those type of things. And, you know, we want to make sure we, you know, are smart and don't have a ton of penalties. So you want to play as clean a game and as consistent a game as you can. And so when you get to this level in the playoffs, sometimes it comes down to who made the least number of mistakes. Mentioned a pretty electric atmosphere for the Holy Cross game. You guys are going to be home again. How big is that? And also not for nothing. You played on Friday night, that extra day, you know, when, when you're able to win uh, this time of year always helps you've got a lot of things that are very helpful at when you're playing a game of this magnitude at this time of the year yeah I think all that can play into it Matt you know um I hope we have a really nice turnout the students turned out great last Friday uh school ends Thursday and then they're gonna head you know get ready to head into finals um there are some finals on Saturday and then none on Sunday so I'm hoping that the students that don't have a final till maybe next week uh, you know, we'll stick around and have an opportunity to get out there. We had a really good environment. Uh, we had the Southland officials last week. And when I did go to the airport and fly out, I was going to Texas. And so that's where some of the guys were from. So I saw them at the airport and they commented on that as well. They said, man, that environment, and that atmosphere was really electric. And, you know, hopefully we can put that out there again, you know, with our students and obviously our season ticket holders. We had a lot of alumni coming back. Um, you know, for the game last Friday. So I'm assuming a lot of them will have an opportunity to come out on Saturday at two o'clock and uh, having a home game, you know, just not traveling. Cause you know, look at, look at the, 
teams that are still in there. You know, there's nobody around the corner anymore. There's not many bus trips left on the schedule anymore. So, you know, it's always nice when you can stay home and whether or not that extra day of Saturday, you know, Friday night game, like you said, any little thing can help at this point, whether it's a mental break or a physical break, you know, so on. Every little thing can, uh, you know, hopefully benefit. And like I said, we're just excited to be able to play in front of our home crowd one more time. That will do it for this bonus one-on-one episode. Thanks again to Mark Ferrante for his time. Villanova's game with South Dakota State will be a 2 p.m. kickoff at Villanova Stadium on Saturday. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening.